Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? we're living in the church age and when that pause button is pushed and the play button or turned off and the play button is once again pushed and that seven years allotted Israel begins where will the church be she will not be here she will be removed in a beautiful mystery called the rapture of the church do you understand this is very crucial to understand when we study this out this is why I wholeheartedly believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because I understand what God is doing according to his word He's going to be dealing with Israel corporately. That's one of the things. But also know this, what he's going to do in that 70th week is beautiful. Even though it's tragic, it's beautiful. Daniel 9.24 tells us this. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Do you see how packed that passage, that verse is? Do you see? The Lord is telling us he has 70 years allotted Israel. And why? Because he's going to finish the transgression of Israel, meaning it's going to be completed finally. And that hasn't been done yet. He's going to make an end of their sins. And we know that has not happened. He's going to make reconciliation for iniquity. What iniquity? For rejecting Messiah, rejecting Yeshua as a nation. And then look at this, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, because when it's all over with, we no longer need vision and prophecy, which is just another little reminder, we can't evangelize in heaven either. Okay, so let's remember that as we're living our lives, because we're called to preach the gospel. And then he says, and to anoint the most holy. That's speaking of Yeshua. One day our king is going to rule and reign from the new Jerusalem. And that's what this is speaking of. Well, none of that has happened. So we know there is still more to come. But this prophecy, again, is one of the biggest reasons I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. But also know this, during the tribulation period, we know it's a time when God is going to pour out his wrath on a world that's rejected Jesus. And it really, it's an act of mercy in a sense because he's going to make it increasingly more difficult on the world that any that would be saved will be saved. But this is what I love about being the bride of Christ. You and I are not appointed under wrath. We are, will never suffer the wrath of God. That was taken care of on the cross of Calvary. Do you understand? We will never taste the wrath of God. Thank God. <laughs> Ever. 
So back in Mark 13, Jesus is going to address this Jewish audience, both with near and far interpretation of those prophecies. We looked at the birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows, and I explained to you how much of that is happening right now. We see the formation of these things that are going to occur in the tribulation happening right now, which tells you and I we should be looking up. We should recognize in the days in which we live. And I also told you how in that near and far aspect, how verses 9 through 13, he told them they were going to be persecuted, go before kings, but he told them not to worry. He told them families would betray each other, and we know all that's going to happen even in the tribulation. But then verse 14 changes the dynamic. It changes everything. We understand it will ultimately be fulfilled in the tribulation because of verse 14. And that clarity is not going to happen until then. We know the temple was ransacked in 70 AD. There's a whole group of people out there, a whole group of theologians who say, us pre-tribbers and us who believe in the rapture and all of these things and a literal interpretation of the scripture, we're wrong because the abomination of desolation happened in 70 AD with the burning down, the destruction of the temple. But they couldn't be more wrong because we know, you know, I talked about this. The Romans wanted to, to erect a statue of Caesar of the emperor in the Holy of Holies. That was the plan. But then the soldiers got too anxious and burnt the place down. That was never their plan. We even know this. In 40 AD, have you ever heard of Caligula? If you haven't, you probably shouldn't research him. (laughs) The emperor of Rome, very wicked, very evil. But in 40 AD, Caligula determined he was going to set a statue of himself in the Holy of Holies in Israel. So he had an envoy sent with this beautiful statue of himself. And it was going to be placed. And you know what I love? God's plan will not be thwarted by man. Caligula died before the statue ever arrived in Jerusalem. And they just kind of threw it aside and said, well, we don't have to do that now. (laughs) Let me just give you another little tip. Stick with God's plan. You know, it's, it's when we get outside of God's plan that we find ourselves in trouble. Right? And I, I know it's just me. I get it. But that's the truth. Stick with God's plan. Every single time in your life when you get outside of God's plan, you know what happens. But God's plan is going to happen no matter what we say or do. And God's will is going to happen. And here's what I always want to remind us. God has a plan. We have to choose if we want to be part of it or not. There's so many blessings we miss out on because we, we don't jump on board. We don't get with God's plan. We try to do our own plan. God's plan is the one we should follow. And so Mark 13, 14 again So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea, remember, this is a Jewish audience, flee to the mountains. So during the tribulation, Jesus is saying, when this happens, you will see it, and you in Judea run. And we know that's part of the the preservation aspect of Israel, because God is going to save a faithful remnant of Israel. And we're going to look at some of that. And this was also true in 70 AD, because when they saw the armies surrounding Jerusalem, many in Judea fled. In 70 AD, many of those who believed in the prophecies of Christ fled into the mountains, and they were saved. So there was a near and far aspect of that too. However, during the tribulation, this also tells us the temple must be rebuilt. There's a lot of argument over this too. Oh, well, it doesn't need to be. Yes, it needs to be rebuilt. Because as we're going to see today, there are events that will specifically happen in the temple. And right now, there's no temple in Israel. But if if you go with us next year, Lord willing, um, well, and we always say, you know, unless the rapture happens, which we're all good with that. But we'll go to the Temple Institute, and you'll get to see 
They have all the implements ready. They have the blueprints ready. They have the Sanhedrin is ready. They have the priesthood ready. They even have the red heifers now. And most of them are still good to go as they inspect the little white hairs and all that. All of the implements are ready to build the temple, and they could put it together in no time. And we know somehow, some way, the Antichrist is going to negotiate some kind of deal for that temple to exist, most likely on Temple Mount next to the Dome of the Rock and lined up at the East Gate. There's a little place when we visit Temple Mount, you'll see there's a place called the Dome of the Tablets that many Jewish people believe is the Holy of Holies. So you could literally fit a temple on Temple Mount and then you would have to wall off the court of the Gentiles. Oh, wait a second. That's exactly what scripture said. And in the court of the Gentiles is where the mosque is at. It's pretty incredible. I didn't mean to get on that rabbit trail. I'm sorry. But in any case, we know there's going to be a temple rebuilt. We know it. And Paul explains this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul explained this in verse 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away come first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who exalts or opposes and exalts himself uh, above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we know this false prophet is going to set up some kind of image to the Antichrist. We don't understand what this is all about. But this is where it gets even more strange. Are you ready for some strange stuff today? And you're thinking, we already get it with you, buddy, every week. But here's the crazy thing. This is absolutely, this is why I love the Word of God. Some of the things in the Bible just make you, they're just amazing. This is strange. I want you to understand this. What we're about to look at is an idol, this thing, this image that's created that will have life. But in Psalm 135, I love this passage because it talks about the idols of the nations. In Psalm 135, 15 through 18, it says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. This is what I love. He's saying, the psalmist is saying, those idols are stupid and dumb. <laughs> and those who worship them and those who make them and trust in them are the same. But do you see this? Idols don't speak. They don't talk. They don't have life. They're dead. They're made of physical things. But I want you to understand something. This image, which is attached to the abomination of desolation that we're looking at today, in Revelation 13, verse 14 and 15, it says this. And he, the false prophet, deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. I'll stop there for a second. So scripture seems to indicate the Antichrist will be wounded somehow. There are other passages I won't go into today that say he possibly could have a wounded right eye and a wounded right arm. Those we don't know for sure. But whatever it is, we know he's wounded by the sword and lives. Verse 15 then goes on to say this, and this is where it gets spooky. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now you need to understand something. Words mean things, right? The Bible tells us here this image that the, the false prophet will have power to give it breath. That word in the Greek is pneuma. You might recognize that word, some of you, but let me give you the definition of pneuma in the Greek. It means air or breath, figuratively a spirit that is human, a rational soul, mental disposition, angel, demon, or divine. It's the breath of life. This has been Hold Fast, 
a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.